Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're spending a second consecutive week at Mark chapter 13, verses 24 through 27. Shortly before going to the cross, Jesus is delivering what has become known as his Olivet Discourse. In these verses, Jesus ties future events spoken about by prophecies in the Old Testament to his future second coming. Now, the disciples didn't figure out how all of this fit together until after Jesus was resurrected and the Holy Spirit came upon them to remind them about all that Jesus had said. They were expecting him to take his rightful place as king and to do it soon, because the Old Testament clearly taught that's what the Messiah would do. But now that Jesus was here, he was telling them he would be delivered up and crucified and die. Well, those things didn't fit together in their minds. And now Jesus is adding to the confusion by talking about all the things that still had to come to pass leading up to his taking his rightful place on the throne as king. Well, praise God, they did put it all together eventually and wrote it down for our edification. See how it all fits together this week. And here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, The Second Coming, Part 2. That's the end of Jesus' personal description of his own second coming, here in the Olivet Discourse. Now, there's a little more in Matthew 13 from that discourse, and I'm going to take you on one quick side trip over to, over to, uh, uh, to Matthew beyond what Mark said and show you some things there that happen immediately after the um, second coming. But before we leave the subject of the second coming, we really need to turn to Revelation chapter 19. This is the detailed description of the second coming. Jesus compressed it into three verses in our Bible, a couple of sentences. We have the fuller description adding to what's in Zechariah 14, adding to what's in the Olivet Discourse. I want to I read it to you without commentary. I say that for a couple of reasons. One is, if you love His appearing... No comments I could make would make it any more majestic. The other reason for no commentary is if I started, we wouldn't get home tonight because we've lost daylight saving and we'd have an hour less to, to get there. Revelation chapter 19. Let's put in at verse 11. Okay, I've got a comment. Uh, the book of Revelation, contrary to what a lot of people think, has very specific structure and sequence to it. And this is part of the final sequence of visions that, that the Apostle John sees that includes the, the, the final judgment and the, and the second coming and the battle of Armageddon. And so he says this, and I saw. That's, that's a way that uh, the, the Greek tips you off that this is a new... Um, a new scene within the same vision, or a scene within the act of a play, if you will. All right, he says this. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. 
And he who sat upon it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. Now, he also has some names that are given. Keep reading. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations. Remember, when this happens, they're gathered to do battle against him. It's not a long battle. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings... And Lord of Lords, then I saw an angel standing in the sun. Okay, try to figure out what that looks like. I don't stare at the sun very often, but when you can have an angel standing in the sun, it's going to get your attention. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in mid-heaven, come. Assemble for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves, and small and great. It's because of the carnage at the Battle of Armageddon. And I saw the beast, that's the Antichrist, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Now, it's probably at the end of that sentence that all the lights go out. I like to picture it right at that moment. And the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh." That's okay if you want to go home and keep reading from there, but I'll give you the spoiler alert for the end of the story. Right after that, Satan is bound for a thousand years. All who now believe in this era will reign with Christ for that same thousand years. And at the end of that thousand years, we have this description down in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And one more punchline in verse 15, after that great white throne of judgment. 
And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Where does that terminology, fire and brimstone preaching, come from? (laughs) Right here. This is the end, my friends. This is where the story leads us. You don't want to be in the place of fire and brimstone. And if hearing about this scares you, praise God you're listening. Because this should absolutely terrify anyone that isn't looking forward to that moment when my wonderful, glorious, compassionate Savior takes me to be home with Him. It's here because it's a warning. Paul said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. If this doesn't get you excited about looking forward to meeting your Savior in person, then I will unashamedly pray that you will not get a millisecond of relief or rest or sleep until you come to faith in Jesus Christ. And know that that same one who comes in power and glory, that same one who treads the fierce winepress of the wrath of God, he's also the Savior who went to the cross to bear the penalty for your sins. He is coming again. Where do you want to spend that thousand years of his kingdom and the eternity that immediately follows it. I've been praying for years. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You ever looked at the very end of the book you're holding in your hands? Revelation 22, 20, and 21. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. What what do you mean, Jesus? It's been 2,000 years. How quick is that? When it happens, it's going to be quick. I am coming quickly. Amen. And then John adds this. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Fire and brimstone, yes. Why? Why? so that you would throw yourself upon the grace of God and know that you don't ever have to experience that fire and brimstone. Let's pray. Our Father, how we thank you for the riches of your grace in Christ. How we thank you for giving us these few glimpses in your word to the, in, into the glory of his power and the terror of his wrath so that we might flee into his arms where we stand in your grace. Thank you, Father, for making these things known to us. Please do not let a soul leave this place apart from resting in your grace. Have your way with us that we, as we continue to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth. Do that will through us that we might be faithful carriers of the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.